All right, we'll turn to our master text of James chapter 4 today. And uh, while you're turning there, um, I just want to say that uh, I think this is the last teaching in this series that we've been doing on uh, greater grace. Uh, so today, I've entitled the teaching, Peace Like a River, Overcoming the Vexations of Pride. So before we read our master text, I just want to say that I'm going to do this teaching a little bit different than my usual style today. Um, and, and you can, I'm going to give a one or two minutes here of introduction. So uh, I see some of you are already standing. So just hang tight. We'll read our master text. And I, I'm, you guys are ready. I mean, I like that about you. I like that about you. But hang tight for just a minute. I'm going to give you a, a, a thought or two of introduction here. I'm going to do this teaching a little bit different than my usual style. Uh, because this teaching is going to be a summary of uh, some of the high points that we've covered throughout this series in these last three months. So rather than kind of a laser-like approach where the focus is narrow, we're going to take a, a much broader shotgun approach today and kind of do a, like a 30,000-foot view, if you will. And I also want to say by way of introduction that we, you know, we've covered a lot of ground in this series, and um, I trust that the Lord has been speaking to you through it. But one of the things that I've learned in my years serving the Lord and uh, me being a person who's diligent in the Word of God, that we really need a lot of repetition in order to master this stuff. And that's the secret of mastering anything, by the way, is repetition. And on that note, I want to say that, you know, I, I really love watching and listening to master musicians. And I found this one young man on YouTube who's just a phenomenal bass guitar player. And one of the videos that he did uh, was showing himself at the intermediate level compared to where he is right now at the master level. And he entitled that video 20,000 Hours. And what it meant was he's invested 20,000 hours of practice in getting to the level that he is right now in mastering his instrument. And that video really kind of inspired me because there for a minute, I thought, you know, I could do that. Um, I could invest more of my time and get to the master level on my instrument. But then, um, then I thought to myself, well, why? You know, I'm 56 years old and... And why do I want to master the bass guitar on that level and invest those kind of hours in that endeavor? But there's one thing that I can master, folks, and that's myself. I can gain more mastery over myself by gaining more mastery in the Word of God, and that takes repetition. So I want to say that to say this. Go to the website and pull up these teachings and go over them again and again. Let the Word of God train you in righteousness. Let it train you in humility. So folks, listen. There's teachings that I've listened to personally 25 times or more. Because I've wanted to master the concept so much. And I know, knew that I needed that. So see, you don't get it all the first time. So that's why the Lord has had me on this series for over three months now. And, and listen, this is a really important point here before we re read our master text. Since your level of humility is going to dictate the level of grace that you walk in, I think this is a pretty important topic to master, wouldn't you say? All right, so with that said, let's go ahead and read our master text. James chapter 4, stand and honor the reading of the word with me. First 10 verses. 
What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, this next verse in the NIV says, you adulterous people. Some of your versions may say, you adulteresses. And that actually is the more accurate translation. It's in the feminine because we are the bride of Christ. But he's... James is chastising the people here. You adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace? That's why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. So that's not bad news. That's not doom and gloom. It's basically saying for those of you who are sinners, change your laughter to sorrow, grieve over your sin, and humble yourself before the Lord like that. And when you humble yourself before the Lord like that, then the good news comes later. He will lift you up. Amen. All right. So having said all that, I want to look at some key phrases here from that text Uh, that gives us the basis for the teaching today. And the first key phrase is conflicts and quarrels. Now, what's that referring to? Conflicts and quarrels. Well, it's referring to no peace. See, when we're walking in pride and there's conflicts and quarrels among us, there's no peace when we walk in pride like that and there's conflict among us. So, no peace. The next phrase is submit yourselves to God, verse 7. So, that's the answer to having no peace and having conflicts and quarrels among us is to submit ourselves to God. And the next phrase that I want to draw your attention to is from verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. You lower yourself and God will take care of lifting you up. You don't have to try to do it yourself by demanding your own way and causing conflicts and quarrels among you. Humble yourself before the Lord, then he will take care of lifting you up. See, I've told you before that the the kingdom of God and his ways are paradoxical in nature. And I want to give you an example of of that. You know, in an airplane, you have what's called a yoke or the steering wheel. And in, in flying an airplane, if you want the craft to go up, you have to pull back on the yoke. And if you want the airplane to descend or go down, you have to push forward on the yoke. And I think that's a really interesting parallel in the life of pride versus humility. Because if you push yourself forward, as in promoting yourself and allowing yourself to get puffed up with pride, eventually you're going to go down. 
But if you will discipline yourself to pull back and resist promoting yourself and resist being puffed up with pride and rather humble yourself, then you'll begin to rise. So that's how God's kingdom works. It's paradoxical like that. So where the subtitle of this teaching is concerned, overcoming the vexations of pride, pride can vex you, the results of pride can vex you. So overcoming the vexations of pride, I believe that you'll find that as you and I um, humble ourselves before both God and one another, that we will live in more perpetual peace. And we won't be prone to be upset so often over little things. Isn't that wonderful? So we can overcome the vexations of pride simply by humbling ourselves, and these little frustrations tend to take care of themselves. So then a key thought for this morning is that, and in keeping with our master text, that demanding our own way Demanding our own way is a a sign of pride. And it will lead, many cases, to discord. Submission and humility, however, will lead to peace. Submission and humility will lead to peace. So then, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you 15 signs of pride that are taken from all of our previous teachings in this series. And before I get to that, I want, you to read, I want you to read with me a quote by Thomas Akempis. And I'm going to give you several quotes by Thomas Akempis this morning from his book, um, The Imitation of Christ. But this particular quote speaks to what we've covered so far in kind of our introductory thoughts and the reading from James 4. He says, the humble enjoy continual peace, but the hearts of proud people are disturbed by envy and frequent hostility. And that's really true of people that demand their own way all the time because no matter how hard they try, a lot of times you won't get your own way. But if you will humble yourself and just be submissive, it won't matter because your heart heart will be at peace anyway. All right, so once again, I'm going to give you 15 signs of pride taken from our previous teachings to keep you on your toes, to keep you on your toes to know what to look out for. Because, you know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and of sober mind. Now, it's important that we stay alert, folks, in these deceptive times. And I like that picture of that tennis player there on the screen uh, because he is in the ready position, as it's called in athletics. You know, leaning forward, knees slightly bent, uh, eyes fixed on the opponent. And he's ready to pounce At any moment, he's watching and ready for whatever the opponent throws his way. And that's a really good picture and analogy of uh, being alert and of sober mind spiritually as well. You see, we too need to be alert and ready for anything that the enemy throws at us. And folks, one of the most effective weapons that he uses is trying to get us over into pride. Because he tried that, if you remember, with Jesus. That was his first attack against Jesus, was trying to get him over into pride. And he's going to do that with you over and over and over again. And for many of us, he doesn't even change his tactics because it works so well with so many of us. We fall for it every time. Okay? Now, 
If you're not trained in the Word of God, ladies and gentlemen, uh, these days it's more difficult to spot pride because the world tries to conform us into its ways. You know, pride is everywhere. We live in a culture and a time of, of great haughtiness and arrogance, don't we? You know, pride is being promoted as a good thing. We're right in the middle of a month right now that's now been declared Gay Pride Month. As if both of those things are good things. Gay and pride. But the book of Isaiah says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And we're in those times right now, aren't we? So we have to be alert We have to know what the Word of God says in order to discern these things correctly, don't we? All right, so let me explain that there's almost no sin that's not connected in some way to pride. And again, we covered this in a previous teaching, but I want to go over this quickly again today. So this is a very partial list. You know, at the top there, we have stubbornness, uh, lack of empathy. If you have trouble empathizing with other people's pain and dilemma and unfortunate things that happen to them, if you have trouble empathizing with that, that's pride. Coveting, greed, outbursts of anger, sexual sins. Why is sexual sins, or any of these for that matter, a sign of pride? Because you're saying, I want what I want no matter who else it hurts. Adultery is all pride. 100% of adultery is all pride. Why? It's because I want what I want. I don't care who else I hurt. I don't care who else I violate. I don't care what families I blow up. I want what I want. It's 100% pride. Okay, materialism, selfishness, laziness, all that's pride. And again, it's a very partial list. I mean, I could list a bunch of other things. I mean, like, uh, I don't know, unrighteous anger. Resentment, all that's pride. And in fact, almost any sin that you can think of has its roots in pride. And I want to remind you that the very first sin that was ever committed on the earth was initiated by pride. You know, pride was behind that act because the attitude was, well, maybe I should have this, and maybe God was a bit off in this particular instruction, and I think I know what's best for me. 100% pride. Okay? And mankind has been doing that sort of thing, ladies and gentlemen, ever since. Ever since. And that's why we live in a time now where all kinds of evil is being tolerated, even in churches, even in churches, because the attitude is essentially, hey, this is what I want to do, and, you know, God understands Listen, folks, whenever you start to rationalize and intellectualize the Word of God like that, that is pride. As if you can try to fit the ways of God into your puny little mental box. 100% pride. You know, there was a, a man in the Bible by the name of Job, and he tried to figure God out too. And then after pontificating and complaining against God endlessly, finally, God spoke. And that's when Job recognized his own pride. And he had to slap his hand over his mouth and say, this is a direct quote from chapter 42. He said, surely 
I spoke of things that I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Therefore, I retract my words, he said, and I repent in dust and ashes. You know, a lot of people think that the message of Job is patience in suffering. And that is one of the takeaways of the book of Job. But a very, very important message of the book of Job is recognizing pride in one's life and how suffering sometimes has a way of revealing it. But the good news is, folks, that no matter how stubborn or prideful you or I may have been in the past, God offers hope to those who turn to him and humble themselves. In Isaiah 66, 2, in fact, it says, These are the ones I look on with favor, says the Lord. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. What does that mean? Um, it means God is saying, these are the kind of people that I'm going to favor, that I'm going to show extra grace and extra favor to. People who are humble and contrite in spirit. What does contrite mean or contrition? It means to be deeply and humbly sorry for one's sins. That's what contrition is, or to be contrite. And he goes on, who tremble at my word. What does that mean? It means when God says jump, you say, yes, sir, how high? You don't try to rationalize or intellectualize the Bible. You don't try to excuse your behavior, but you say, yes, Lord, I recognize my behavior has been sinful. I repent. I'm going to change. I'm going to do it your way, not my way. And that's the kind of people that God shows extra grace and favor to, people who tremble at his word. God's word is supreme in your life. That's the kind of people that God favors. And folks, there's people occupying churches all over this nation today who were there to put in their time, but they don't tremble at God's word. They don't respect God's word. Ultimately, they're going to do it their way. When push comes to shove, if they're confronted with something uncomfortable that inconveniences them or makes them change something about their lifestyle, ultimately, they're going to rationalize it and do it their way. That's a prideful person. That's not someone who trembles at God's word. But someone who trembles at God's word is someone who God is going to honor and favor. Yeah, that's, an, that's a big amen spot right there. Praise God. So here's what I, I'm just going to give you the high points from the previous teachings in the series. So we'll kind of do this in rapid fire succession here. So I'm just going to put some bullet points on the screen and maybe make a comment or two regarding each one. Because uh, there's a lot of content here that I can't go back over. That's why I encourage you to go back over the teachings on the website. So the first one is humility is others focused, whereas pride is me focused. Humility is others focused, whereas pride is me focused. Pride needs to be admired, but humility is content in whatever circumstances. If you don't get the credit, if you don't get the spotlight, humility is okay with that. But that aggravates pride. A prideful person gets aggravated if they don't get the credit, if they don't get the promotion, if they don't get uh, recognition, 
Uh, if, if they don't get the admiration, that aggravates and frustrates a prideful person. But a humble person who says, hey, whatever, um, God bless that other person. I rejoice with those who rejoice, right? God will take care of blessing me. I don't have to try to scratch and claw and bite to work myself to the top and get admired. Um, God will take care of me. That's a humble person. Next, there is a false humility that focuses only on outward religious displays, but that is void of true devotion to God in word and deed. God's looking for what he calls a circumcised heart. That's a heart that's truly devoted to him. Not just the outward trappings, not just the religious stuff that we do, but inwardly, we're devoted to God. We don't just come to church and check our time card and then go live any way we want to, but our hearts are devoted to God. And it's like, God, whatever you say. And that's what, the way we live all week. It's not just an outward thing. It's an inward circumcision of the heart. All right? Um, and there's something about trials. We covered this in a previous teaching. There's something about trials that tends to soften the heart in humility for those who are inclined toward the Lord. Now, for someone who's not inclined toward the Lord, when they run into trials, it just hardens their heart more. They just get aggravated more. They shake their fist at God, whatever. But a truly humble person, when they, they run into trials, they're even more inclined toward the Lord. Even more so. The trials tend to soften the heart of prideful people if they really love the Lord. We covered that in a previous teaching as well. I can't elaborate on that too much. Um, but here's a really great quote from Thomas Akempis on that note. In fact, I'm going to give you three uh, quotes by Thomas Akempis right in a row right here um, because this is just so powerful, so poignant. So uh, let me read this to you. Uh, it is good that we're sometimes contradicted and that others think ill of us or think that we're inadequate, even though we do and mean well. These things often help us to become humble and keep us safe from unwarranted pride in ourselves. For it is when we are outwardly condemned by others and no credit is given to us that we especially seek God for our inward witness. In other words, for our inward comfort. When other people think ill of you, you get falsely accused, whatever else, that's when we have to seek God for our inward comfort and our inward witness. So it's sometimes it's actually good when those things happen because it gives you, gives you perspective on life. It keeps you from getting puffed up with pride. So when someone falsely accuses you, rejoice in your trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, the book of James says. Let me read you another one here by Thomas Akempis. The person who cares nothing about the approval or disapproval of people enjoys great peace of mind. And that is sort of consistent with our master text in the book of James. And that's what it's saying. You have quarrels and fights and conflicts among you because you, you want and you don't get, so you scratch and claw and kill to get it. But people who care nothing about the approval or disapproval of others enjoys great peace of mind. I remember one time I was listening to a minister by the name of Kenneth Copeland, who many of you know. And he said the, the Lord told him early in his ministry, the Lord told him, don't ever read what anybody writes about you, good or bad. Because 
if it's good, it tempts you to get puffed up with pride, and if it's bad, it causes you to want to try to defend yourself, which is also pride. And he said, you know what, that newspaper is going to be in the bottom of a birdcage tomorrow anyway, so who cares? So I really appreciate that about him. Well, let me read you another quote by Thomas Akempis here that's pertinent. When good people are afflicted, tempted, or troubled with evil thoughts, then they understand better the great need they have of God, realizing that without him they can do nothing that is good. And this is talking about your own character, folks, not even when people falsely accuse you or whatever else. This is talking about your own character when you're afflicted, when you're tempted, when you're troubled with evil thoughts. Then it's during those times when we understand better our great need that we have of God, realizing that without him we can't do anything that's good. And wrestling with our own character flaws should keep us humble. All right, let's move on to continuing our list of the high points that we've covered in this series so far. The next one is that pride can't take advice or correction, but it gives it liberally. <laughs> yeah, Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. And if you were here for that teaching... Um, I referenced the, uh, the Hebrew word for stupid, which is bar, which means stupid like an animal. That's what it means, like a brute beast. Just no understanding. That's, that's the magnitude of that word that was translated into the word stupid in English. Now, by the way, the book of Proverbs is full of verses on being willing to receive correction. See, if you're willing to take correction, you're wise and more likely to prosper, according to the book of Proverbs. But if you're, if you're what the, the book of Proverbs calls stiff-necked, which means stubborn, if you're stiff-necked or stubborn, and you won't listen to advice or correction, then God calls people like that fools. That word is all over the book of Proverbs. Here's the wise person. Here's what the fool does. It makes comparisons between the wise and the foolish. And it says those who will not take advice or correction are fools because they're setting themselves up for failure in the future. So listen, young people. Listen to your parents. And this is not just for the young people. There's all of us need to be willing to receive some instruction and correction, but especially the young people who you're still, you know, you're still young enough that you could really, really benefit from your parents' advice. Listen to this. If you will listen to this and obey this at your ages, your life will be so much easier going forward. But if you stiffen yourself against the advice of godly parents, you're going to pay a price. You will pay a price. You'll step on so many landmines that you wouldn't have had to step on had you taken the advice of your parents, godly parents. Now, did you know, by the way, that the New Testament encourages believers to exhort one another and speak the truth in love? But we never, almost never do that these days because you know why? Because in this me-centered world where everybody's so sensitive, you know what happens when you try to exhort? Most people don't, you? 
<laughs> yeah, they throw a fit or they politely brush you off or they'll try to justify what they're doing or not doing. And the Bible says, that's stupid. We ought to be willing to at least listen to what somebody has to say and then take it to the Lord to see if it's right or wrong because maybe there's some truth in it. Even if it's 90% false and there's, it's 10% true, if there's a, even a little bit of truth in it, we ought to be willing to listen to it and apply it, right? But we tend to react, and why do we react? Because we're prideful. Pride reacts. Let's keep going with our list. Pride is a know-it-all and cannot admit wrong. Pride is a know-it-all and cannot admit wrong. Pride also avoids associating with the, quote, lowly, but humility associates with people of all walks of life. I told you this is going to be more of a shotgun approach, so just uh, some highlights from all the previous teachings in this series. Next, pride is, quote, above doing menial jobs. Okay? If you think that you are too good to scrub a toilet, you're prideful. Seriously. I don't know that I've arrived in that area, but I do want to tell you a story. I, I've told this story before, but some of you newer ones haven't heard it before. But years ago, before I became a pastor, I was in a previous church. There was um, the, the young son of our pastor. And I don't remember if this was before service or after, or the, the, a service wasn't going on at this time. But this young son was in the stall of the restroom. And I went in the restroom, and I, I heard this whimpering. I'm like, what is that? And so it just it got a little louder, and I'm like, um, hello? And come to find out, it was the pastor's young son who, had in, who was in there. And forgive me for being a little gross and graphic, but he had a horrible case of diarrhea. And he was a, just a little guy, and it was all down his legs, it was on the out, I don't know, he, he hit almost everything except the inside of the toilet. He, he must have rushed in there to try to make it, he didn't make it apparently, it was all down his legs, it was on the floor, outside of the toilet, it was smeared on the walls, and he was in distress, he was in a lot of distress. And so rather than try to go find the pastor, I don't know what his pastor was doing, the pastor was doing, I, rather than to go try to find him, I sucked it up, and cleaned it up myself. And yes, it was gross. Yes, it was smelly. Yes, it was, it was, un, it was unpleasant. But I, I was not above doing that job because a young little guy was in distress at that moment, and I had no idea where his father was. I was the only one in there. I wasn't going to leave him by himself. So I did it. So if you're above doing that sort of thing, sweeping floors, cleaning toilets, cleaning, you know, poopy bottoms, changing diapers, then that's prideful. Okay? We ought to be willing to do whatever needs to be done whenever that need presents itself. Would you agree with me? Yeah, praise God. Um, and, and let me just say one more thing about that before we go to this next one. You know, people that are looking for advancement in ministry or in God's kingdom, you better get used to doing the little 
seemingly meaningless jobs, the gross jobs, the thankless jobs, before God will promote you to anything else. He needs to be able to trust you with those little things first. Show yourself faithful in the little things first before he'll ever trust you with something else. And by the way, because I try to model this ministry after what I see God does, I'm the same way. I won't promote anybody to come up here and speak and do a message unless I see you doing little things and being faithful in little things as well. If I don't see that, I can't can't trust you to come up here and address the people because a person like that's prideful. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Pride loves to talk and demands the spotlight. Humility, however, is content to let others have their say. It's content to let others speak and just let them have their say. And also, we touched on this one, and I think this may have been a surprise for some of you, but I had much more of a chance to elaborate on this next point than I will right now, but I'll just give you this quick bullet point. Shyness, believe it or not, can also be a symptom of pride because it doesn't take other people into consideration. It's only thinking about my discomfort. It shows no care about the discomfort that you might be putting the other person through when you don't greet them very nicely or politely because you're shy, okay? Um, so... For the shy people in the room, break out of that because sometimes people can misinterpret that as just plain rudeness. So that's why we talked about that. Shyness can also be a symptom of pride because you're not taking into consideration the other people. All right? Again, a quote from Thomas Akempis uh, with all that we've covered so far, we've got more to cover, but with all that we've covered so far, I love this quote. Okay, listen very carefully. Oh, how great is human frailty. It is always prone to evil. Today you confess your sins, and tomorrow you commit the very same ones that you have confessed. One moment you resolve to be more careful how you act, and a short while later you behave as though you never had any such purpose at all. Since we are so frail and inconsistent, we have good reason to humble ourselves and never be conceited about ourselves. Amen to that. If you find yourself throughout this series doing a gut check and saying, you know what, I do have pride that I need to deal with. That's one of the best ways for you to deal with pride right there. Look at your own character. Look at your own frailties. Look at how many times you have resolved to do better and the very day after you resolve to do better and repent of that sins, you're committing the very same ones that you just confessed the day before. You ought to remember those times, not to shame yourself, but to keep yourself from being puffed up with pride and to humble yourselves and never be conceited about yourself. And never look at other people and how they act and say, Oh my goodness, I would never do that. Well, you may not ever do that, but you've done a whole lot of other things, right, that you've done repeatedly. You've asked for forgiveness for the same sin sometimes 367 times or more. Always resolving to do better. And I think that's a good thing, folks. Don't get me wrong. I want to congratulate you. If you've confessed the same sins seven or 800 times and fall right back into it, well... Praise the Lord, you're getting up and you're going for it for the 701st time. Hallelujah. 
Praise God, you're making progress. Okay? That's a good thing. Praise God. Some more uh, highlights from our previous teachings. Pride fools a person into thinking that he or she is too humble to ask God for big things. Now, that's a little bit of a, a twist there, isn't it? Because a lot of times, pride will try to hide and try to disguise itself as humility and say, oh, you better not ask it for anything too big, you know, because that's prideful. You shouldn't ask God to do great things through your life because that's prideful. No, actually, if you're evaluating yourself honestly, you will say of yourself, I really am truly nothing and I have nothing and have nothing to offer in and of myself. But through God, I can do all things because I've, I've got a big God. So even though I'm nothing, I've got a big God. So the word of God says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. So I'm just going to believe God. I'm going to have enough audacious faith to believe that God can use even someone as flawed as me. Because he's been doing it all down through history. Using flawed people to do great things. So don't let pride fool you into thinking, oh, I'm a humble person because I'm going to stay here in my own little corner and not believe God for too much. That's not humble. That's prideful. Because you're misinterpreting what the Word of God says about you. You're putting your own twist on the Word of God. Whenever we put our own twist on the Word of God, that's prideful. Okay? So pride fools a person into thinking that he or she is too humble to ask God for big things. Next, pride resists authority. We spent a whole teaching on this. Pride resists authority, both parental authority, spiritual, and civil. Okay? God put authority in place for our benefit. Next, pride is materialistic. Pride likes money only for the sake of increasing one's status and material possessions. It cares nothing about the poor or the expansion of the kingdom. It doesn't want to use its money for that because it wants to accumulate for itself. That's pride. Okay? And also we talked quite a bit about religious pride. Religious pride is quick to judge, but doesn't see, you know, Jesus said, you know, if you're going to try to take this speck out of someone else's eye, maybe you ought to take the log out of your own eye first. All right? So uh, pride is quick to judge because it doesn't see the log in its own eye. Also, one's calling from God will test your humility. If you've been called of God, you feel like you've been called to great things, that's going to test your humility. And you'll never enter your ultimate calling unless you learn to walk in humility. We talked about that quite a bit last week. All right, so this is my last slide. So we're, I'm going to deal with some ways to deal with pride. So the reason I have that uh, lumberjack pictured there, taking a swing at that tree, felling that tree, is because that's what we need to do with our pride. We need to recognize it and take the ax to the root of the tree and deal with this stuff. Because you will never progress in the Lord. You'll never progress in your ministry unless we deal with the pride in our lives because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Praise God. So I'm going to give you just the strategies to deal with pride that we've talked about throughout this series. 
And uh, the first one is deal with your insecurity by remembering who you are in Christ. Remember we talked about that last week. You deal with your insecurity, and insecurity is related to pride. Because a lot of the time, um, when someone's acting in a way that looks prideful, it's because they're insecure, and they're trying to compensate for their insecurity. Remember us talking about that? So deal with your insecurity by remembering who you are in Christ. And then deal with your pride by remembering where you came from before Christ. Got a lot of fill in the blanks in your uh, bulletin today, don't I? I'm making you write a lot. And by the way, the reason that, that I do that is because there's something about writing things in that activates a different part of your brain and you remember it better. So forgive me for giving you more fill in the blanks than usual today, but I'm giving you these, this big summary of where we've been so far in this, in this series. Okay, so deal with your pride by remembering where you came from before Christ. And then also be a good finder. Don't just look to pick apart people's uh, faults, but look for their, the good things about their character. Look for the good things that they're doing and congratulate them for that. And when you amplify and magnify what people are doing well and good and right, it kind of tends to minimize the, the things that in their lives that maybe they're not so good at or they're not doing quite right. Uh, their, their mistakes and their foibles like we all have. So if in in keeping with the standard of sowing and reaping, if you want people to have grace on you, we need to have grace on other people. Okay? So be a good finder. Next, serve those who can never pay you back. You've heard me talk about before, a lot of times people will do these outreach things and they'll, they'll go out and bless people with food or whatever else, and then they'll take a selfie of themselves doing it and post it all over Facebook. Don't do that. The reason you shouldn't do that is if you do that, that's the only reward you're ever going to get. And God's like, okay, well, if you want to promote yourself like that, if that was your only motive for doing that good deed, then fine. That's going to be your, your reward is that short-lived little, however many likes you get on Facebook. That's your reward. But if you keep it secret, then God will reward you, and he knows how to reward you. Amen. All right, another one, uh, ways to deal with our pride. Give others the kind of attention and respect you would like for yourself. Give others the kind of attention and respect that you would like for yourself. And in keeping with one of the other uh, bullet points that I gave you uh, earlier uh, in this teaching and in a previous one, one of those ways is to listen. God gave you two ears and one mouth, which means we ought to listen twice as much as we talk. Give people an ear, listen to them, and when you do that, you show them respect. That's a way to give other people the kind of attention and respect you would like for yourself. And when you do that, guess what? Sowing and reaping, you get attention and more respect from other people. That's the way it works. God's kingdom is paradoxical. And the last one is, be on guard against your reactions to agitations that threaten your peace. And this goes all the way back to our master text that we read in James chapter 4. Be on your guard against your reactions to agitations that threaten your peace. See, because, listen, remember, 
occasional agitations, folks, are part of life. And it can actually keep you humble if you respond to them properly. I'm going to say that again. Occasional agitations and frustrations are part of life and can actually keep you humble if you respond to them properly. So when another agitation or frustration presents itself, say, praise God, uh, because I'm growing in perseverance. Consider it all joy, my beloved brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance or patience have its perfect work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. I just quoted to you James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. You ought to memorize that for yourself, because that's a really great thing to remember whenever agitations and frustrations present themselves. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. What a great promise. But in order to get to that not lacking anything, we've got to learn to rejoice in midst of the frustrations. And I know that's hard. I know that's hard. But when we can get to that point of practicing that, then we will be on our way to being mature and complete and not lacking in anything. Okay, I want to leave you with one last scripture that is going to encompass this entire series that we've done for these 13 weeks. This is officially now, as of this week, the longest series I've ever done. I think that's appropriate for this subject. So this closing scripture is going to encompass this entire series. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Proverbs 29, 23. Can you say amen to that? Let's stand and pray. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Andy Robbins and Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening, and may God's grace and favor shine on you.